Today's show is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and get started now. Welcome back to Sensibly Loud Radio. This is Brandon. I'm joined by Mountain Carl. Carl, how's it going? I'm just trying to knock the dust off since uh, we haven't been doing this for a little bit. I know. it's uh, It's been a crazy month or so since we've been on the air, but uh, we're, we're still alive, uh, still kicking. I think both of us have just been really busy. So what's uh, what's been taking up your time? That, well, um a lot of, a lot of interesting things like, uh, changing the girlfriend's tire on the first day of this week. That was, you know, I got enough shit going on in my life trying to avoid germs flying at me. And, and now, you know, I get a phone call right when mountain girlfriend is driving out of the, the parking garage. You know, um, I think, my right left tire is low. I'm just like, okay, well, I guess pull around. We'll, we'll check it out. I've never like every single time that I've had a tire puncture in my life, I've gone out and I've listened to the tire and everything. You can hear the tire hissing, right? Okay. I've never been able to see exactly what caused the issue. Really? I, yeah. I mean, like it's, it's always been hidden. It's always been like underneath the tire or like that kind of thing. Like when I pull it off, I'll inspect it. I'll find it kind of thing, but never just like walking up on it. I walked up on this thing and it had like this like hex head bolt, like sticking out of her tire. I was just like, what the, how did you do? How did this happen? Like how, you haven't been, like, have you been going somewhere? Like, I don't understand how this happened. And, uh, and of course, like that was insult to injury because like the Friday before that, she uh, she actually had one of the uh, quote unquote Campbell suit can incidents where it like hit the windshield of her car while she was talking to me. So she's got a giant like hockey puck slap shot looking thing on her windshield. And so uh, it's just it's of all the random shit to happen right now. It's not like a lot of people were on the road for this to happen. You know, like I, I understand me, like I'm on the road all the time. Mm-hmm. So I expect for that to happen. But I mean, like what, what is there to kick up stuff right now? I mean, like I obviously now things are opening back up again, but I can't imagine just like driving a wide open, you know, freeway and just having like this giant rock jettisoned at your windshield. I don't know. It just sucks. So that's, uh, that's been interesting. Um, uh, I just found out that my friend Joel also has the uh, the recently recalled Harbor Freight jack stands that he was using to rebuild his his Bronco. This is a PSA, everybody. I'm telling everybody right now. If you don't know about this, the three and six ton jack stands from Harbor Freight apparently have a flaw in them where if you're in like if you're under a load, 
and they get kicked the wrong way or something, a load shifts, the actual pull on the jack stand can come loose and just come crashing down on you, which I don't know if you're familiar with jack stands, Brandon, but that's not how they work. You don't want that to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Nor do you want your car slipping off the jack stand and then crushing your finger. I've done some really seedy stuff while racing, trying to get, you know, like cars up on jack stands. They had no business on being on that, like uneven ground and like yep. the kind of the kind of stuff that like it's a miracle, you know, when you were younger, like you didn't kill yourself. Right. <laughs> and yeah. uh, that it would not surprise me if I went back. And, and those were the exact ones that we had. You know, everybody's got these. So I want to I want to let everybody know the Harbor Freight rule. Right now, hard and fast, the Harbor Freight rule is if your life can depend on it, don't buy it from Harbor Freight. Buy it buy it from anywhere else. Harbor Freight is awesome. They've got great stuff for whatever, like flatbed dollies and things like that that you will never be underneath, right? Or you'll never be hoisting an engine with. But there are, there are definitely certain things that... Uh, have an asshole pucker factor of, you know, 11 when you're trying to deal with these things. And it's, it's not worth it. It's just not worth it, guys. The money that you save on jack stands is not worth it. Although I, I did have to return a, a pair of jack stands from uh, advanced auto parts one time because they were actually welded, like they were jigged up wrong when they were welded. And so they were like uh. cocked. So like I put, uh, I put the car up on it and it was, I could still, wiggle like on like like kind of like a bad table you know where you have like that one leg that's just shorter yep. than the other ones it's moving back and forth that's what that was doing i was just like i feel really comfortable with this right now so but yes yeah, that's uh it, it's interesting having to change out a tire especially if you haven't done it in a while and you're just like oh man uh it's it's never a fun process, no matter how many times you've done it. And especially like if you practiced it when you were like when I was younger as a teenager, got my first car. My dad, you know, taught me the old fashioned way, like, OK, let's let's do it from from scratch here. But uh, but the the most interesting thing with changing out a tire is trying to find something to chuck your your opposite corner tire with so that your vehicle does not move uh, when you're, you know, when it's, yeah. when it's jacked up and, and whenever you're, you're working on, uh, you know, undoing the lug nuts and then, you know, all that fun stuff. That's, that's the so, smart money for sure. Yeah. Doing, doing it that way. We did the <laughs> e-brake the e with the flat ground right. maneuver, but yes, I, I'm with you on that. That is the way to do it. Yeah. It's just hard to find, uh, an object, you know, it's, it's kind of like, you're lucky if you can find like a, a big rock or something like that, but it just always depends on where you're at. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's that's always interesting and um, sucks that she's had to deal with. Uh, sounds like constant, you know, vehicle uh, annoyances. But, at least it's you know, a knock on like wood. At least it's easy shit. You know. Yeah, at least I it's mean, it's easy shit. Yeah. I'll take that. That's fine. But uh, so speaking of uh, of of wonderful COVID time, you know, uh, how yep. was how was reading or no, not reading? Son of a bitch! I am rusty. <laughs> how? What have you been watching? <laughs> what have you watched right now? Why well, I, I need to just like, like walk away and come back? <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I've been watching. So I've, I've gone back through Entourage. Um, I 
sometime like a, about a month ago, I, I saw where uh, Entourage did a, a reunion uh, and it was on Cameo via, uh, you know, YouTube. And it was uh, some of the original cast. And I, I might have mentioned it on the last episode. I can't remember exactly when it was, but, you know, it just reminded me just how great that show was in terms of the actors chemistry with each other and all that. So I, I streamed back through that on Amazon prime and, you know, pretty quick to stream back through and, and binge through cause each episode is about 30 minutes long, uh, until you get to, you know, some of the finales and stuff, but I just finished, uh, the final season last night. Um, oh, wow. yeah, definitely good show, but it, it's funny because that show is, you know, you think about like in its heyday when it came out, um, like I think it was like 06 or 07. And then it, it ran until about 2011 or 2012. Mm-hmm. So it's it's interesting to see like how, uh, you know, over the course of its run, just the beginning of where no one has a smartphone, everybody's got a flip phone. Yep. And, and then eventually how you see like signs in the background where it's like, yeah, get a two gig plan for 40 bucks or something like mm-hmm. what that, what that is this to eventually whenever, you know, smartphones come into play and uh, you know, people are still using uh jawbone Bluetooth earpieces everywhere. You know, you don't really, all these things you don't really see a whole lot of anymore. Like, you know, yeah, there's still Bluetooth pieces now, but the, the components have changed and it's kind of funny because uh, jawbone went out of business. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of places that have, I guess, since then, but it's just funny to kind of see the the change in technology and, and, uh, everything else. But, but yeah, that's, that's definitely been a good show. I mean, I've caught up on a few, a few movies I haven't seen before, like, uh, dark places, uh, starring, starring, uh, Charlize Theron, which was written by, um, the same author that did gone girl. Uh, mm. her name escapes me at this point, but, um, it was it was definitely interesting and and really good. Kind of reminded me a little bit of uh, a movie called Prisoners. Um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Uh, kind of in the same sort of uh, feel, but you know, obviously different storyline and, and structure. But yeah, that's that's basically been about it. I mean, I've been I've been so busy with uh, so the reason why it's been a month since we've we've been on. Uh, so obviously, you know, it's like life's been busy for, for both of us. I know my work has definitely stepped up in terms of projects and stuff I'm working on. I know, uh, same for you. And I've been having to prepare to move as well. Um, so I've gotten most of that all squared away to where now I'll have a little bit more free time, but, um, yeah, you know, just like anything else, we've all been busy and, um, thankfully, you know, you and I have found time to kind of come back to the table, uh, today, but, uh, what have you been watching? Well, well, we're actually going to get into some of that today because Extraction is uh, is one of the big ones uh, that I've watched. Um, we've been binging a lot of, uh, God, recently, like way too much, like superhero crap. Um, it's almost to the point where it's like, if it wasn't getting good, like my brain would be numb. So... Mm-hmm. But it, it's been fun. I mean, I've I've actually been paying a lot of attention to some of the stuff that's been announced here, uh, entertainment wise, because it has been kind of weirdly busy in that realm for the past week or so. Which I mean, like when this all started, whenever all the lockdowns and everything started, all that was going on was, hey, guess what got delayed, you know? Yeah. And, and so it was it was kind of interesting in that in that way, but. Um, you know, I, I think uh, 
I think Netflix has been doing a pretty good job of keeping things fresh. Uh, we're we're gonna probably probably finish up the uh, like Angel Has Fallen and that kind of stuff. You know, just like all the random crap that's been really super popular on Netflix for some reason. Which, by the way, like the top ten thing that Netflix has done, what a what a strange kind of like <laughs> microcosm into the world of like cinema, right? Like everybody's on their ass at home. And like some of the stuff that gets on there, it's so strange. There was, uh, there was one that made it that was supposedly just awful. And it was like, uh, it's called like John Henry hmm. or something. Hey, did you hear about this? No. Um, let me, that sounds like something, uh, it, that would be really funny if, say, like fast food places started doing that, like McDonald's, because I always uh, equate. I mean, Netflix has some good quality stuff, which we'll we'll get into that discussion here in a sec. But sure, uh, you know, but it's kind of like the McDonald's of streaming service. Like everybody has had McDonald's. Everybody, you know, some people still have McDonald's, and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I like their breakfast menu from time to time, but you know, it's a uh, it McDonald's is easily accessible and is you know, pretty, pretty cheap. And I would say Netflix is still pretty cheap. I know they've gone up in their prices and stuff, but I think that would be funny if they did a, a top 10 of, you know, the most ordered things on a McDonald's menu. (laughs) Oh, it's coming dude. Like I I guarantee it, but, uh, okay. So here's the thing that really caught my eye. Terry Crews was the titular character, John Henry as some kind of like hardened gang member that ended up coming back and waging war on, you know, aforementioned gang. So hmm. uh, that that was kind of it's it's such a weird thing to think about Terry Crews as like an a serious role. An, yeah, not an act, not as an action star. Obviously, we've seen him as an action star, but you know, like the uh, the serious, like kind of brooding style action star. That's just yeah, like weird. a John Wick. Yeah, exactly. So to extend the McDonald's metaphor. Uh, this is not so much like a, a McRib, right? That I would not, I would not classify this as a McRib movie. Uh, what was the one that they, what was the burger they came out with that was like supposed to be for adults or something like that? And it was like the McTasty or something. I don't know. I can't remember. Hmm. But the bottom line is it's more like that. It's hot trash. So, um, What's uh what's not hot trash is the talent we're about to talk about. And uh and that's kind of a, a big deal. Um we had some serious uh serious big news of actors and uh you know comedic actors uh that had passed away recently. Do you want to touch on that at all? Yeah, so recently uh, within the past uh week or so we had uh Jerry Stiller Fred Willard and Ken Osmond uh, have all passed away. Uh, Jerry Stiller, I believe he was 93. And uh, I think Fred was 86. Uh, and then Ken Osmond, I believe, was, uh, what was that, 74? Yeah, it was, like, it was like 74 or 77, something like that. Yeah, so, you know, uh, Ken Osmond I wasn't too familiar with. But, you know, for all of the... Uh, you know, my, my parents and, you know, probably older generations remember him from, um, leave it the beaver. And he was the right. troublemaker character. Yeah. Eddie, um, Eddie Haskell. That was the, yeah. The re- returning character, but yeah, he's, uh, that's, that's really how I knew him. I mean, that's, that's really the only reason that I, I knew who he was. I used to watch leave it to beaver, like in syndication, you know, back yep. in the day. So yeah, uh, that was, 
that was a little upsetting, but I, I think it was just natural causes. Um, yeah. Him, uh, so. Yeah. And same thing for, I think Jerry and, uh, and Fred, but Jerry Stiller, you know, obviously like for me, it was, uh, playing George Costanza's dad on, on Seinfeld. And then of course, uh, uh, Leia Remini's, uh, character in, um, uh, King of Queens. Uh, one, right? Yeah. King of Queens going, my mind's going blank, but yeah, King yeah. of Queens is one of my favorite comedies. So him playing Arthur, uh, her father. And of course he would hang out with Pat Oswalt and, uh, he was just hilarious cause he had a, a sort of a bigger role on, on that, that show, but yeah, Ben Stiller's dad. And you know, the, the guy, like I, I watched, uh, we were talking before we started recording, but you know, he, he did a, uh, Conan, uh, Conan O'Brien released a, a clip of, uh, back when Ben Stiller directed cable guy and, uh, him and his father, Jerry Stiller came out and they were kind of doing a bit together, but it was really kind of funny and heartwarming to see. So I know that, he and his father were really close because Jerry Stiller on his own was a comedic Titan doing, you know, comic stand up and stuff like that back in the seventies. So, uh, and same thing with Fred, you know, Fred was, uh, on a really big hit show, uh, early eighties and he's just always hung around with comedy. And I think for me, like, you know, obviously Anchorman and, you know, a few other films he's been in over the past few decades, he's just one of a kind. So yeah, uh, three big Titans for sure. Yeah, he I mean, like Fred Willard, uh, Jerry, Jerry Stiller obviously has been everywhere, like in everything. But uh, Fred Willard has been in stuff that would would really surprise you, um, because I mean, I think it's a lot of times when and people are in a like a really wide swath of things, I think I'm pretty quick to judge them as to say, like, either I'll look how capable, like look at their range, you know, or like. Um, like, Oh, uh, look how poor they are because they have no money. Um, <laughs> and, and they're trying to take up every job they can. But with Fred Willard, uh, I think it, it's, it's certainly the former it, he's, it was funny because like he, he's definitely the kind of actor that you really just played himself. But the, the person he was, was, uh, his, his comedy was very accessible and it was very easy for people, uh, it didn't strike anybody as off-putting or anything, right? Like it was, it was very timing dependent and uh, as all comedy is, but, but certainly with him, I feel like his timing was on just a normal, you know, everyday life. So um, yeah, Fred did a lot of voiceover work and, and, and stuff like that for, uh, for cartoons and things like that, stuff you would never expect. And then he would like, guest star on you know like uh you know dorm days or whatever the hell it was like that you kind of like uh you know painty raid bullshit that that came out so i mean he's done like everything but it's it's always been because he's been i think he's just like a lot of fun and really easy to work with um that was the feeling that i got anyway um also uh one of my favorite characters is probably one of his like most minimal characters uh, like a new girl, right? He was Beezus, the Uber driver. So <laughs> yeah. pick up, uh, pick up the guys. And then, uh, and then whenever uh, he'd be like, Hey, do you want to listen to some music? And the, then the bit was always, they would say yes. And then he would just start singing like hot cross buns, but it would be like really off tune or off key, you know? And uh, it was, but it was perfect for him. And poor, poor guy, man. Like the very, uh, very last episode, you know, that, 
that they had with him in there, he was, he was kind of shaky, you know, he was, he was having a little bit of trouble. Um, so, but it makes it sound like when, when you're talking about him kind of, uh, uh, you know, being that way on, uh, some up and stuff like that, it's, it's less of like, you know, somebody pushed him into that role and more like he just really wanted to get there and have fun. So, um, that's, I think that's, that's good. Those guys are always all going to be remembered for, for making everybody laugh. And, and they never really, I don't think they really were off putting to anyone, you know, like they were yeah pr- pretty generally, they were, they were, they were well loved. So, uh, no, it's, it's, it's going to be sad to not have them around anymore, especially, uh, like Fred Willard's one liner machine that he is. So it's a bummer. But yep, uh, absolutely. Speaking of broke people, uh, Nicholas Cage <laughs> has been uh, has been eyed as the one and only option to play Joe Exotic in one of the Tiger King miniseries that's being thrown around right now. Uh, that's interesting enough. The other side of that is it seems like it's further along than the other Joe exotic mini series that was being talked about, or maybe it was a film, but it had like Kate McKinnon in it for, uh, you know, she was going to play, um, Carol Baskins, uh, which is supposed to be like the foil to, uh, Joe exotic. Apparently in the one that's being talked about with Nicholas cage and is in, or cages involvement, uh, Tara Reed is being talked about to be the, uh, the like the Carol Baskins character, which I I haven't seen her in anything since like Sharknado, but it's like she's been in Sharknado one through like forty. So um, I guess yay, she's making money. But uh, oh my god, dude, what's I, I know you haven't you haven't sat down and like absorbed Tiger King, right? Like right, there's only like you can only stick a gun so far into your mouth. So the <laughs> the question that I've yeah. got for you is um when it comes to nicholas cage uh like as as a like eccentric um uh, gay man in a thruple you know in the middle of an oklahoman zoo what do you think do you think that's the most nicholas cage role you've ever heard in your life or is it just is it almost like too perfect yeah, it's pretty perfect because uh, there's I, I he's definitely played some pretty crazy roles. I'm sorry, yeah, yeah. like it's like, is it good or is it the best? So yeah, but you, right. you know what I mean. Like, is it? What's your favorite role that he's been in? Uh, favorite role. I mean, obviously, uh, uh, you know, I always think back to just how great he was, and like, uh, you know, Gone in sixty seconds. He was pretty funny, but. Uh, <laughs> But but to me, it's always, you know, going back to movies like, um, you know, Face Off was probably extremely over the top. Not that great of a film, but just uh, over the top. What a uh, I liked him. Though. Yeah. And then Arizona going back to his earlier stuff. You know, he yeah. was really great in that. Um, I really liked him in Mandy. And that came out, I think, a year or two ago. Oh, um, yeah, that's right. He's doing really he's crazy. Doing a lot more of that kind of stuff where it's like the. Uh, I can't remember the the name of the the uh, production, the studio that does like Mandy and all that kind of stuff. But he's been doing quite a few of their movies recently, which yeah, right right up his alley though. 
So, yep. But that, of course, like the rock and, uh, it, just all those films that came out in the nineties, you know, it was probably like some of his, his better moments. Um, and then, uh, Cage. yeah, another one was, uh, that's more of like a comedy slash drama was, uh, what's it called? Matchstick men. Um, oh yeah. That's, yeah. that's terrific. He's a, he's a con artist and, uh, but he's got a nervous tick and, and it's, it's really funny. I definitely recommend people to watch that. I think that came out in like 2002, 2003, but, uh, definitely go one check out. Yeah. That's there (laughs) for every good, like objectively good Nicholas cage movie. There are 10 ridiculous ones. So I think, uh, you know, like I, the big joke on Brooklyn nine, nine was like, you know, like look at the range this guy has, like, because it was like, uh, he was going through all of the like horrible roles that, um, that Nicholas cage had. And then he like found captain Corelli's mandolin at the very bottom or something like that. And he put that mm-hmm. in and he was like, how is this possible? <laughs> <laughs> so yep. yeah, it's, uh, it, he's, he is, uh, very much a like i don't know like he, he, there's nobody else really like him and i think that that's it sucks to be like oh well he's like dirt poor of course he's gonna take whatever role he wants but like that like right. these, these people should have, have sought him out right like yep. this is a role that would be good for him but i also feel like it could go either way Right. Like he could definitely find a way to screw it up in some way. But anyway, that's that's enough blathering. I will say that uh, we got that information from movieweb.com and uh, imagine television studios and CBS television studios are going to be ones that are going to be creating it. So um, I want to see that one, that version more than the Kate McKinnon version, not because I have anything against Kate McKinnon, but just because Nicolas Cage is attached to the other one. (laughs) So, yeah, exactly. Yep. Uh, so we touched on this earlier. Let's talk about extraction. Cause I, I want to, there's a lot to peel away here. Um, what was, I mean, how, how impressive to you was the camera work or was it something that you saw that you, you left, it left something to be desired. Can you tell I haven't done this in a month? Just yeah. keep going. Uh, yeah. So, uh, upon seeing it, the, the camera work I could tell was in there, there were definitely moments like the, uh, the much talked about, I think it's like a 12 minute long, you know, one shot simulated one shot. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously there were still some edits and stuff, but you know, to the untrained eye, it just looked like a one shot, but the way they did it. And, and I saw some behind the scenes of where, you know, the director and especially the, uh, the cinematographer uh, decided to have these small cameras that they would throw into a car like that was moving. And so you just, so you see things from a different perspective that you don't really think about when you're watching it. But if you are, while you're watching it, you're just like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, like wonder how they did that a little bit, you know, but the fact that the director uh, was also a a renowned stunt man, you know, kind of the same sort of following as what the director of John Wick, films did you know where he was one of the most renowned stuntmen in the industry um been in so many big films and and of course had like an eye for it and um you know obviously having more of like a physical wanting a visceral type of impact 
uh, that's what I, I was kind of more interested in, in terms of a, a stuntman directing this film when I started reading about it before it came out more so than hearing that Joe Russo also had writing credits and producing credits, you know, but that just kind of helped, you know, lament that it wasn't going to, you know, ultimately be a turd because there's been a lot of those on Netflix. <laughs> there have. Yeah. So, um, um, but yeah, I, I definitely like the camera work. It wasn't too frenetic or, uh, choppy or, you know, it doesn't do that annoying thing where you're watching someone have a conversation. It's just like zooming in and zooming out and just like all over the place, even though they're just standing in a room, you know? Yeah. So, uh, I'm much. glad that it, it didn't do that. Um, yeah, ultimately my thoughts on extraction, I thought it was, that was really good. I mean, it, it, it was definitely your, your, you know, straight to view sort of, uh, action flick because, you know, obviously you could tell there wasn't a whole lot of uh, time put on character development too much because the guy's name is Tyler Rake. His last name is Rake and he kills a guy with the rake, yeah. uh, which was funny, you know, and that's one of your awesome, you know, dude bro moments, you know, where exactly everybody's high fiving, but, uh, but the rest of it, yeah, I thought they, you know, it was kind of your, atypical you know where it's like he lost his son and of course he has to get this kid out so he ends up having an attachment and kind of kind of the same thing we've seen in a lot of different films like tears of the sun and all these others where they kind of like go against the grain of what they would usually do and make the hard choice and and stick right. with that yeah the 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 kind of thing that like uh the the leon the professional kind of like turn on its head right right yeah but like yeah that that general formula so uh, we had talked a little bit about it. It's been a while since we've seen it, so we don't have to press down this too much, but I definitely had kind of a confusing moment um, with the Saju character um, that was uh, his like nemesis for a little bit, you know, Tyler Rake's nemesis for a little bit. Um, and I, I'll like, you know, I've already spoiled it, but the idea is that at some point he, he kind of comes around and wants to help. Right. I don't, but I mean, like it's a crisis of conscience or something, but um, you know, he, at the beginning of the movie, uh, this guy was the, the boys uh, kind of caretaker. Right. Yep. Um, and at some point after that, the deal was struck seemingly that he was going to have Tyler, uh, Mr. Rake, you know, to us remove this guy, you know, extract, sorry, remove this. This is not a time for synonyms, Brandon. We're talking about extraction. (laughs) He's extracting the boy from uh, captivity. And, uh, I guess at some point, uh, you, you kind of get the feeling that he was instrumental in making that arrangement happen, but then he tries to get the boy back. Right. I, there's there's something i guess like i did i miss something there like where he like so maybe he didn't think that he was the one that could go in and extract the boy but then like afterwards he thought he'd be good enough to take him from tyler i guess that was my my well i issue i i think that so the the thing with it is because uh because the story revolved around the boy and tyler being the the leads uh, you don't really get a whole lot of screen time with the others. So their motives aren't clear. And so that not having a clarity on motive uh, was sort of made it a little murky along the way with the plot. Sure. Um, and so I, 
I, I had to think about it after I watched it too, because a lot of things happen really quickly. But, uh, the way I thought about it was that, you know, I, I think that, yeah, he wanted the team to do it, but he didn't think that this team was actually going to go in and extract them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think he just thought that they were just going to check proof of life, report back. Yep. He's alive. You know, he didn't expect Tyler to, to go Rambo in the place and kill a guy with a rake, you know? So, right. Uh, so there were a lot of things that kind of changed, uh, and altered what he was going to do. And then, and then it looked like, okay, it looked like he's trying to kill everybody. And is he, is he trying to cover things up? So that kind of left it kind of interesting. And I think that, um, you know, to your, uh, average moviegoer or, or subpar moviegoer, uh, as far as average is concerned, uh, that could further confuse a viewer, and then they're kind of lost in terms of what it is. But again, everybody knows going into this, this is all about the action, and um, so the action was definitely good. I felt like they could have explained things a little bit better and made it a little bit more clear, but you know that's probably where they might have had they they could have been against the. Uh, time constraint uh, as far as a Netflix release goes. Um, I'm sure there was a lot yeah. of stuff left on the cutting room floor, but yeah, I, I definitely saw that as kind of like a, a weird obstacle as well, trying to understand, you know, the motive of this guy and, yeah. and why he ended up uh, helping them out in the end. And of course ended up, you know, the way that it ended, but yeah, it, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, no, I, I thought it was uh for certainly for a Netflix movie, I thought it was well done. I had uh, mostly uh, a pretty good time with the movie, aside from that one little hiccup where I was trying to check the motivations on that guy. But um, I would definitely put it above Triple Frontier, uh, which I'm almost upset about because I really liked the cast of Triple Frontier. I know? do too. And I think, they, I mean, they did a really good job for what they had. In hand. had a lot of uh, momentum for it. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I just think that it, uh, it kind of build itself as like the, like, like heat, but in the jungle. And instead it kind of turned out to, to not really be that. So, um, yeah. it, it's who knows whose fault that was. I don't really care. It was, you know, good acting and a kind of a strange, you know, uh, not substantial movie, insubstantial movie, but the, uh, this movie I enjoyed a lot. And I think that everybody knew what they were getting when they, when they walked into it, had a, had a huge amount of viewership, um, you know, really gave Chris Hemsworth, uh, a, a, you know, title vehicle that he could work with and, uh, he made it his own, which was good. So, uh, I think, you know, overall, I really, I really enjoyed it. They the, they had one fight scene that I, they have one uh, little camera trick that I liked seeing in Extraction that I don't get to see in a lot of movies, and I think it's good. It's not overused. I think that's what you know it tells me. But uh, it was the the fight uh, like the dynamic camera where you are you know getting hit and the camera is following the body down to the ground kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like having like the kind of roadie camera or having the camera where it's actually like in your face while you're doing action and that kind of thing, or um, having that like perspective, you know, at an angle is, you know, almost like a Blair Witch kind of thing. That's not new. Like that's always been done, you know, it's been done a long time, but the idea of it 
the camera following the action, you know, having it basically parallel to the body and that kind of thing when like heavy hits and like people are taken to the ground and stuff like that. I don't see it all the time. And so I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that little tidbit because it it's not an easy shot to do, especially with uh, with that kind of impact. Usually you do a lot of editing work to make sure that people getting taken down to the ground are getting their ass kicked. You know, when when stuff like that's happening, sometimes they have padding down there. Um, you know, a lot of it's done uh, with the shot. They don't have to edit stuff out or anything. But this is uh, it, it was a commitment to that action craft that I uh, enjoyed uh, as much as that that camera work. So I got a lot out of it uh, for something that didn't have a lot to give. And uh, I would certainly recommend it to anyone who is like a fan of like the John Wick series or anything like that, because that's what's most heavily compared to. Right. I mean, that's what I got out of it. It's also kind of like a good gun guy movie. You know, like if you're if you're like heat and that kind of thing and you're like checking out everybody's hardware and stuff like that, not a euphemism, um, you know, definitely, (laughs) definitely something that you would definitely something that you would enjoy. It's got some some really cool, uh, interesting gear. I don't know how accurate it is to any one thing. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's very, it's, it's a fun movie. There's one, there's only one clip in it where it was not what I would call a fun movie. And that's when they straight up threw that kid off the roof. I will oh, say yeah. that's probably the first time I've ever that, seen that, was, that movie. <laughs> so what, what was crazy is it's, it, it was, uh, I, I forget the scene prior to it, but it was elsewhere in the city or something. And then all of a sudden it like goes to the top of the roof. And it, of course it does the aerial shot where it's spinning around. So you, sure. you, you recognize on roof and it was kind of a oddly shaped building too. It was weird. Uh, where I was kind of like, okay, did they really just go straight down or did they like skid off the side? I don't know. But uh, it, it was probably like within 60 seconds of, you know, cutting to this new scene and at this location, all of a sudden the kid gets thrown off the roof. It was, uh, it, it was interesting. And I, I was just kind of like, wow. So they, they lined up everybody and they walked all the way up to the roof. I feel like they could have just like, you know, stood them out in an alley and just, you know, held a gun to their head. Right. You know, like that, that. I don't know. That's, that seems like an awfully, awfully showy way to go. Yeah, but that guy was over the top and yeah, awfully he was. showy. It was, so. it was on brand for everybody involved um, to, to steal a phrase. And I would, I would certainly uh, say that this movie moves at a clip that is not too fast, but it is fast enough to the point where like the rake gag, you know, where you're like, oh, I get it. But it's like four minutes later kind of thing because like so much has happened so oh, yeah, yeah. um it, that's that's kind of that's kind of where i was at i actually paused the movie after the kid got thrown off the roof i turned over i turned around to the, the mountain girlfriend i was like that kid just got thrown off a roof and she's just like yeah, play the movie you know like <laughs> stop stop pausing yeah. the movie like just play the movie but yeah um but yeah it's it's kind of kind of ridiculous very ridiculous um anyway so uh, another movie that is is guaranteed to be at the top of the ridiculosity meter, right? That's not a real word. It's not even close. Is uh, Demolition Two, Demolition Man Two? Um, yep. I can't imagine this movie because it is such a moment in time in the '90s. Like, there's not a there's plenty of movies, right, where Demo, like I guess like the movie comes along and they believe 
that they're telling you some kind of like fun or accurate or horrible version of the future. Um, you, you've gotten that throughout your entire life when it comes to movies. Right. I mean, like it's, it's just the, I mean, science fiction as far back as like Metropolis. Right. I mean, everybody's trying right. to tell you what the world's going to look like. Um, I don't want the world to look like Metropolis FYI, but um, the, the movie Demolition Man, you know, early 90s, Sylvester Stallone. Um, oh, God. It was Wesley Snipes, right? Um, yep. Sandra Bullock. What a strange vision of the future. It wasn't like off color or anything. Uh, it was really, it was a funny, like, you know, very, very satirical look at the way the future would, would be. But I feel like it was only in the way that the 90s could have made it satirical, kind of like yep. a, 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 a almost serious Simpsons episode. Right. Right. Like yeah. that, that kind of uh, that kind of you know comedic color to an otherwise serious action movie. Um, and that's why it worked, obviously. I mean, this is the tone of the movie. Uh, we've had discussions about that before. Uh, but now, apparently, in some Instagram chat, uh, Sylvester Stallone decided to make everyone's heads explode and talked about Demolition Man two coming out. Uh, I don't know how how real this is. If you read further down in the article, I think it was um, we've got it covered. It was or maybe it was Variety? I can't remember, but it was talking about yeah. uh, you know, oh well, like he used he used a lot of qualifiers like should and 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 may and that kind of thing, and it's just like don't tease me, you know, variety with telling me a demolition man two is in the works and then saying that it may or may not be happening. So I, I mean, that's what they do. I know it just drives Click me nuts. Bait, man. All I want, all I want is is uh is my sequel dream of demolition man two realized, but I know. I know personally, I have a feeling that it's not, it's not going to be the same level of movie. It sounds ridiculous to say out loud, but it's not going to be the same level of movie that the original demolition man was. I mean, you go back and watch the original demolition man and uh, you know, apocalypse. Now it ain't, but, uh, but it's still, you know, it is what it is. And it, it's, it's thoroughly enjoyable for a, a mindless action movie. And, uh, you know, uh, science fiction for that matter. Uh, do you really think they can do it again? Like capture that weird cult magic in a bottle? I think so. I, I mean, there's, I, I've kind of seen that cult magic in, in other bottles and other films, like, you know, uh, like the fifth element or, you know, just thinking of other, other films that kind of like show the future, different like sci-fi alternate realities, you know? Right. Um, but I feel like they could have a lot of fun with it. Was it was Demolition Man something that you've always hoped there would be a sequel for? Or when you were a kid, were you just kind of like, okay, yeah, that's a one and done. And that was fun. And, you know, I can always go back to that roller coaster at any time. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, I, I don't think I've watched any other, certainly Stallone movie, uh, more than Demolition Man. Not over the top? Uh, not over the top. I told, I told you about that DVD press though, right? The one with the like yeah. over the top. Yeah. I mean like what a, what a mess. Um, you, you want to piss me off? Give me a bad press of a, a DVD or a Blu-ray. Um, uh, so I'll give you one of Cobra. 
is it is it bad is it uh, bad yeah, right it's pretty yeah. bad I can't pretty bad. i can't stand that if i get a if i bought a dvd back in the day do you really think i wanted to watch it in like you know third recorded vhs quality no i don't um but that's some of them do that though i don't understand it's like they couldn't get their hands on the original so yeah. um i guess this is not something where I thought I really wanted a sequel. Uh, yeah, obviously I was joking before about it being like the the best thing in the world, but I mean, like really it, the, one of the things it did right is one of the things that so many movies in the nineties did wrong that were popcorn flicks is they just assumed at the end of 90 minutes that if you struck a pose, you know, and or like, or the bad guy got away or something, you were guaranteed a sequel. Well, I hate to break it to you, but a lot of the times you weren't, you know, yeah. we were not yep. as sequel crazy back in the nineties as we were, you know, in the early two thousands. Um, and, and I mean, like even today, obviously, I mean, look at, uh, some of the most, you know, high, highest grossing movies of all time. Now they're like the, you know, 40th sequel, um, of a movie. So, uh, this is, you know, pre golden age of television. This is really, you know, in, in one of these moments where you have to cut something down to fit a VHS tape. Um, you know, that's what, like a lot of that 90 minute runtime stuff before like the, the double length, you know, I'm sorry, this, I can't remember. I'm going to screw up the actual technical terminology, but it was, it was the way it was, I think, encoded. It was like you could play it. It played it like twice as slow or something. You could fit twice as much tape on it but or movie on the tape. But right. um, the, the all the weird technology, uh, you know, not not included. You, you really, once you had a lot of these popcorn movies, it was like Meteor Man and stuff like that. You know, like everybody guaranteed... Uh, a sequel well unless it was straight to you know vhs or whatever like a lot of these guys didn't get that and this is one of the movies that it may have hinted at it you know down the line but it never really like fully sank its teeth into it and i think that was one of the best things about it is uh, i've always liked movies where if they made sequels they didn't set it up for that because i mean you want a movie to stand up on its own every single time right it's one of the reasons that you watch movies unless you know that it's going to you know lend itself to a third movie um for a trilogy i should say uh you know so like an empire strikes back that kind of thing uh you know they weren't going to stop it after empire strikes back you know everybody's looking around like man i really want to know how that ends <laughs> so right. yeah um it had it had the cultural momentum and it and it had the money to do it at that point. So you can tell a lot when you go back and watch A New Hope. But I guess uh, if you believe they can do a good job with the tone and everything without making it a complete rehash, I have faith in Sylvester Stallone to bring that vision ford yes he did not you know actually direct the first demolition man but i'm sure that he would have a hand in it this time he's been behind the camera more as much as he's been in front of it right so uh or recently anyway so i think uh i, I think they get, they might be able to pull it off i don't have the faith that you do but i definitely think uh it's not something that has to be made right yeah like it's 
they've done a good enough job with that first one where yes, if it was, if it was like made in the, you know, mid, mid 2000, like 2005, that kind of thing, um, people would be throwing, you know, money at it to have a sequel made. Like they were, they were ready. Every, every hot property gets a sequel in the early two thousands. Like it's a guarantee. And, uh, it just, I'm fine with it. Not getting that momentum you know, having it be the cult classic that it is and, and everything like that. So anyway, um, I, I feel like if they did a, uh, like official release and say maybe like a big studio did it, uh, you know, they would probably try to bring in a, a younger director or, or, or a director that maybe like really just absolutely love the original that would do, you know, a continuation of that justice, uh, I could see somebody like J.J. Abrams or somebody like that doing that, or G. maybe I'm just yeah. kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, but uh, hopefully, like someone with a uh, with serious credentials um, doing it, you know, like yeah. that. That's all you could you could ask for. I mean, or you might get these second or third grade directors. So uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens though. Right. It would be it would be kind of funny to see it get the Tron treatment, you know, where it's like yeah, you, you go back and see the very first Tron, you're kind of like, I don't know what the hell uh, I'm really looking at in any one frame. I, I mean, I, I loved it when I was a kid, you know, but to me, it right. was basically like an animated film with real people in it. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Tron Legacy was like, you know, oh, like Daft Punk's doing the soundtrack and then like, it's all CGI, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So I'm just kind yeah. of like, okay, uh, you know, I, I mean, I enjoyed Tron Legacy just because of nostalgia. You know, if nothing sure, else, same here. but um, that and the bitchin' soundtrack and and it looked good, you know. But I mean, uh, yeah, it, that that kind of movie, that kind of sequel doesn't come along very often. So uh, especially not with that long of a gap. I would I would hope they. I I, I like your theory. You know, having a younger uh, director come in and and take the reins on it. They've they've been a lot bolder about that recently so uh but we've had that conversation too so we'll see uh it's not the only 90s movie that they're talking about rebooting or or getting a sequel is it that's right uh the one of my favorite mid-90s films the saint starring val kilmer uh they're in they've pretty much written the remake for it and i've heard that it's been They've been trying to shop for actors over the last few months, um, but now it looks like Chris Pine is in negotiations to uh, lead the reboot as uh, Simon, who is the saint. So, yeah, I was a big fan of, of the movie. Uh, and of course, that role is played by Val Kilmer. I only saw like a few episodes of the original TV series because that's, you know, that's going back to you know, Roger Moore was, was the original saint, but again, that's like, that predates him being bond. So yeah. we're talking, you know, what late sixties into the early seventies. Yeah, it's so, like, uh, uh, Remington steel days. And, and stuff yeah. Like for that. Pierce. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, uh, which I always found that to be kind of funny that there was a little bit of symmetry between Roger Moore and Pierce Brosnan. And Absolutely. of course they both like to ham it up on camera, you know, mm-hmm. but, uh, yeah. So Chris Pine, uh, I'm a big fan of his. I, I've seen him do some really, you know, intense roles. I mean, obviously everybody's seen, you know, the Star Trek movies, but he's done some really uh, intense roles. And I think the the first one I saw him in was a movie that he did with uh, Denzel Washington, where they were both on a train. 
Oh um, yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, I can't remember the name. Was of it Felon uh, One Two Three or? Uh, maybe not. No, no. Right, this take, one was take different. that back. They were both. Yeah. These guys both were train, both train operators. Yeah. yeah, these guys were train operators. And, unstoppable, um, maybe. Or, unstoppable. Or, that's okay. what it was. Yeah. There So, but yeah, I redeemed uh, myself at the last minute. Yeah, I I've seen uh, Pine do some more interesting roles. I know he did like a. Uh, made for TNT limited uh, series uh, where he played like a detective or something. And I'm, I'm trying to recall that, but yeah, it's like uh, a weird, like true crime thing. Um, right. I think it was had to do with either the, the black Dahlia situation or uh, something else in LA that was really prominent. Uh, maybe it was the Manson murders or I think it was the Dahlia thing really, but uh, yeah, that's what it was. And he was having to investigate it, but yeah, he's a, uh, he's a really, in, intense actor. Uh, the only thing that that's interesting here is that that comes to mind is I, I think back to, cause I'm a big fan of the Tom Clancy novels and of course the Jack Ryan character. And, and he, uh, Chris Pine was cast in a Jack Ryan, uh, shadow recruit film, yep. uh, that came out. I want to say it was sometime earlier this decade might've been 2012 or something like that. And it was just, it was okay. It was 2014. like eh, you're close. 2014. Yeah. So I, I thought it was all right. You know, him and uh, Kira Knightley, uh, you know, obviously great chemistry together, both great actors, but I just felt like it was, it was kind of mundane compared to, you know, of course, uh, Alec Baldwin, uh, Harrison Ford, and even uh, Ben Affleck uh, portraying Jack Ryan and, and all those different films before this one. But uh, I, you know, I think it was just a, a bad bag that he got in terms of it wasn't really a that great of a developed uh, story or, or script. Um, so I, I just kind of found that interesting that he played that role, uh, right. and now he's about to, you know, play another action oriented role. But but that's the thing about uh, the character of Simon, uh, which is the same, is that you know it's more than just action. It's like he's he's cunning and he's he's a he's a he's a con artist, you know. So right. Uh, you know, he becomes different people. And I think that'll be fun to see Chris Pine do on screen. Yeah. I, it's, it's hard to n- not like the Val Kilmer performance, you know, it, it, and it's, it's kind of funny because you, if you ask any like critical, uh, you know, person that they're, they're going to say, ah, movie wasn't that great, you know? Um, but at the same time, it, I think it brings something from Val Kilmer's background, you know, as you know, back, back in the day before he was, you know, Batman and that kind of thing, he was trying to be kind of the actor's actor, you know, and, and he had a lot of depth to him and, and a lot of uh, capability. He had the credentials to do a movie like the saint. And um, I think that for whether it was intentional or not, some of the acting that he brought to the different roles, conning uh, like Elizabeth shoe and people like that into doing different stuff was, uh, was campy, you know? And and I think that's, you're you're either in it because you think that this is going to be like the most serious movie of all time. uh, And and you're like, well, that's a, that's crappy acting or you're watching him. And I think really what it came down to is it's like, he was just having fun with it. You know, it's a fun script. And, uh, and I don't watch that and think that anybody in that entire movie didn't enjoy themselves. So like making it right. So, um, 
I, I do. I think it was like a rock solid action flick. I don't know, but it was entertaining as hell, you know, to me. I mean, like when I was watching, we used to watch that stuff all the time. So, yep. uh, you know, uh, when uh, I, I can't pronounce his name, but he's the he's the bad guy in the in the, the Russian like, guy. Yeah, yeah, friends, the, yeah. countrymen, Russians, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I still refer to him as uh, Boris, the bullet dodger. From and Snatch. Yeah, exactly. Um, yep. That guy has had a great career. Holy crap. He's been in so much. Um, Batman Begins. Remember, he was the homeless guy. That's right. That's right. He's, nice coat. Nice coat. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's been uh, Boondock Saints. You know, he's, yeah. Right? yeah. And wasn't he a dad or. Yeah, um, something like that. Uh, I liked uh, I like Christopher Pine uh, as an actor and I like the intensity he brings. I do think he's capable. I enjoyed him in Star Trek. Um, uh, even though I think that into darkness was a way missed opportunity. Um, but the, the thing I liked about shadow recruit wasn't necessarily, uh, him, but Kenneth Branagh. Right. Oh as, yeah, that's right. I'm, I mean, like as the, as like kind of alcoholic, you know, uh, Russian financial guy, I don't know, but like, uh, it's, it's all a little dubious as to what, you know what his deal is i mean like it it's but it's it's a fun it's movie uh i'm sure that that uh kenneth branagh's favorite part about shadow recruit was, was kenneth branagh so uh he directed he directed and started it and that's just kind of what he right. does yep. so uh speaking of kenneth branagh before uh before this little adventure is over i'm definitely going to make sure that i mention the fact that he was the bad guy in wild wild west i just want to make sure that everybody <laughs> Everybody remembers that little fact. It blows my mind every single time I see that movie. Man, I, yeah. I remember the the summer that that came out. You could not get away from that song. Nope it it was everywhere, and, uh, and the music video had Cisco in it. So let that <laughs> let that uh, wash uh, over you. So glad times have changed. Yeah. Well, you know what doesn't have Cisco in it? What's that? Audible. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com forward slash SLM and browse the unmatched selection of audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. I'm, I'm probably going to catch hell for that transition. <laughs> well, um, what if there's a Cisco autobiography and, and he's actually like doing the voiceover <laughs> on Audible? I would, you know what I would, if that was uh, the case, then I retract my statement. Um, <laughs> you know, that's, that's fine. I, you know, if only, if only Cisco was featured on audible, I, I will find out after this, but, uh, something else that, um, Chris Pine was in that nobody's going to recognize him. It was smoking aces. Do you remember that movie? That's right. Yeah. Smoking aces, uh, which I believe had Jeremy Piven and, uh, man, I can't remember who else was in that. A lot of, a lot of, uh, big, a lot of popular action stars back in the day, big names. And that was, I think that's, uh, when, when people, Ryan Reynolds was in that too, right? Yeah. I think he was actually one of the good guys. Um, People ask me, uh, you know, what the movie is that I would point to is talking about like an ensemble movie that never really gave enough camera time or substance to any of the top build actors that they had. That's probably one of the first ones I'd point to. Um, oh, yeah. Because it there was like way, way too much horsepower for that script. 
you know, I mean, it's just, it was people getting their starts, you know, people like in their twilight years, it was like all over the place. And, uh, but they're all excellent actors, um, yeah. or the very least capable, you know, I think even common, uh, was, was in that and, uh, kind of one of the featured people in that movie. And, uh, yeah, I don't know if people have seen hell on wheels, but holy shit, that guy can act, you yeah. know? that dude can act. I mean, like everybody in it, like I was just, I was fascinated by, uh, how underutilized a lot of those actors were. But anyway, you're not going to recognize, uh, you're not going to recognize him in, in smoke and aces because he's like this crazy, like punk dude with like leather and like spiky hair. And like, he's grabbing the bottom jaw of like this dead guy and like talking to him and having like weird, uh, kind of existential conversations with him and stuff. It's, it's so bizarre, but, uh, but for, you know, like think about watching things Sounds like something Nick cage would do. Oh God. If only, um, you know, you know, he has though. It's like, I, I don't, I'm not familiar with his entire library. So I'm sure that somewhere he's, uh, you know, got his hand in the back of a, a skull, like a puppet or something, <laughs> but, uh, he's, he's done Chris Pine has done a lot of stuff that made him seem like a really uh, serious and intense, right? You've used that word. Uh, I've used that word actor looking back at that movie. It's almost like you don't understand how it could be the same person. So, right. I'm wondering if there are a lot of uh, tricks up his sleeve that we don't know about because um, he's usually playing, you know, uh, Chris Pine as Captain Kirk or Chris Pine, you know, as like super spy, you know, but, uh, we don't, we don't see that kind of acting depth that we may actually get in this movie. And I think he has the kind of fun campiness to bring it forward too, if he wants to, because I mean, he's shown that. So we'll, uh, we'll see, you know, I mean, I'm, I want it. I, I like, I like it when Chris Pine wins, I, I enjoy watching him in movies. I enjoyed him in uh, wonder woman you know, and that kind of thing. So, uh, you know, something I didn't enjoy was this unhinged trailer with Russell Crowe. Um, (laughs) I, well, I did enjoy it, but for all the wrong reasons, uh, but I'm not going to steal that one from you. Where, what did you feel? Uh, what, what emotions did you have when you watched the unhinged trailer? So it's it's real interesting because um, there and before I get into it, there's been a lot of talk about uh, Chris Nolan's Tenet. So, you know, that Tenet was going to be the first major film that's going to you yeah. know, coincide with people coming back in theaters and, and seeing it. And and the company behind Unhinge was like. Oh well, we see that we got a bigger beer than you do, so we're going to raise that and uh, and drink it. So right. they're talking about releasing Unhinged, I believe, in the beginning of uh, June or sometime next month, and uh, and so it's it's interesting that they were trying to do that, and it's like a lesser known. So I don't even know how many screen, screens it's going to get get into, and and how many theaters are even going to be operating at that time. I mean, there's a lot. Uh, still up in the air with AMC and that Amazon might purchase them potentially. Yeah, and which is, insane. but uh, without going too far down that road, uh, you know, watching the trailer, I, so there's always been a lot of reports that Russell Crowe can get really crazy and has anger management issues. Uh, I remember that there was a story, I think it was in the late nineties or early two thousands. 
it was definitely well after uh, Gladiator, so it was probably early 2000s, that he was in a hotel lobby and he got in a shouting match with some guy and picked up a phone in the hotel lobby and smashed it over the guy's head. <laughs> I'm not so, surprised. Uh, yeah, and and of course, you know, there's been stories that well, the guy was heckling him and you know wouldn't let him go, but you know, same time, that's quite a uh, visceral response uh, to somebody of uh, hitting him, and then of course, you know, the guy sued and all that. But sure, you know, there, there's been a few image problems that he's had, whether it's that or wrecking the marriage of Dennis Quaid and Meg Ryan by you know making his moves on Meg Ryan uh, during the shoot of Proof of Life. Uh, which is, I definitely recommend that film. It's, it's kind of slow in spurts cause it's all about, he's a hostage rescue kind of guy that, you know, negotiates with these people and tries to get proof of life. And then they send in a strike team and he's part of it kind of former special ops and, and gets him out. But, um, very, uh, tactically sound, uh, film. Um, but, uh, but watching, watching this trailer, it's like, you know, I haven't seen him really in a, in a crazy role in a while. I mean, he's played some pretty like funny roles and, um, I, I think the last like really aggressive role he did was probably LA confidential that oh, I, I thought you were going to say Le Miserable. Sorry. Uh, I'm, oh just, God. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Oh, <laughs> uh, why? Why? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Or, or gladiator, you know, like he, he's definitely, uh, kind of shown he can kind of tap into that deep end, but LA confidential for sure. Uh, was uh he was pretty rough character but going into this trailer it was just kind of like okay i see what this is about this is straightforward um and that my impressions from it you know the fact that this this lady and his and his girl were stuck in traffic and um or i think before they get stuck in traffic he he's uh, in front of him right like he's he's in front of him and he's not moving at a green light and so they speed around him and she lays on a horn and then all of a sudden, uh, road rage kicks in where he's just seeing red. Yeah, so you could tell like Russell Crowe, the movie. Yeah, but he's going through a lot. Uh, so he meets up with them again, stuck in traffic. And he's just like, I need you to apologize. She's like, I'm not apologizing. And then you <laughs> can the just most, see like the best Southern accent that Russell Crowe could muster. <laughs> yeah. Everything behind his eyes just goes black, you know, and he's just out for it just looks insane because um, there's so many moments in it where you're just kind of like, okay, wow, he's going through cop cars and <laughs> all kinds of stuff. Uh, but uh, it it kind of reminded me a little bit of like a kind of had a Hitchcock feel, but also, you know, uh, one of Stephen King's very first films that he did that was made for TV called Duel. Yeah, right. Um, it it kind of reminded me about that because it's about this, you know, guy who's being terrorized by this dude that's in a uh, big semi truck and yep. the guy's following him and he just can't get away and he can't figure out who the guy is. He's tried to outsmart him and he's always there. So it kind of reminded me of like that with uh, the movie Falling Down by Michael Douglas, <laughs> you know, by Michael <laughs> Douglas the in that role. first thing I thought when I saw this movie, I'm yeah. like, they made a modern Falling Down, but it's like the blue collar version of it, right? But it's yeah. not, I mean, but, it, but he's hunting. Not you know, he's hunting her and wants her to feel what he feels and make her life a living hell. So it, that's where it kind of reminded me of duel. And, you know, and there's been some other, uh, films out there like that too, where Steven characters Spielberg have done did, that. did duel. Um, I think yep. it was like his first movie, right? So that's right. I had to verify that. I thought I was going crazy. Um, yeah, that was, I mean, it was excellent. It is kind of funny. Like you're bringing up all the things that I thought when I first saw this, I'm like, Oh, they put like a guy behind the truck in duel, you know, like basically yep. that kind of thing. But the, uh, 
if you <laughs> something that I brought up when we we first started talking about this was uh, something that I thought was kind of kind of funny, but also kind of stupid. Um, I find it again. Holy crap! Uh, so sorry, I might have to like tab through like four hundred things. <laughs> um, okay, so it was one of the things that like I I saw that kind of gave me that feel, and it was like very Hitchcockian, right? It was I laughed because nobody's got like a last name in this cast, like I, I, for the for the actual names of the act, like uh, the characters, right? It's it's like you know Andy, Rachel, Kyle, you know, and then like someone randomly has a last name. Um, and of course, Russell Crowe's character is the man, you know, which is kind of funny. So, um, it, you just, when you, when you have something like that, you, you can only assume it's going to go, you know, one of two ways that kind of, yep. uh, Hitchcockian, you know, like kind of stage play at a hundred miles an hour or, uh, kind of the like weird, uh, low rent, you know, shitty B movie that they're trying to sneak into theaters before all the big movies come out. Like, I, I wonder if this would have just gotten left on the cutting room floor. I mean, I, I mean, no disrespect because it may be an excellent movie when it comes out, but like the idea of this drawing a big crowd doesn't seem that realistic. So you, you definitely want to be like the, you know, the first back in the theater. So people are like, ah, sure. What the hell I've been cooped up, you know, and it's going to make a lot of money. So uh, yeah, whatever. and I, I, I kind of feel like, uh, it, and if it does end up in theaters, I, I feel like it's a good, um, sort of a, a precursor to, you know, kind of like a, an appetizer for people to get back in theaters. And you're probably not going to have a whole lot of people because you still have everyone who, you know, everybody's different. You know, some people want to return to normalcy, and other people want to be you know, strapped up in their, in their bedroom and they don't even want to like venture to other parts of the house because it might have COVID-19, you know? So, uh, there are different walks of people out there and, and, um, so it's understandable. And I think that's why it's going to be interesting to see if people are even going to go out and see this movie at all. But even if they don't and more movies start coming out, well, by the time Tenet comes out, you can guarantee that I would think that more people would go see Tenet or would go out to go see it if this movie does come out before tenant, if it doesn't, I don't think you have as many people. I mean, if, if that I'm, makes sense, if I'm, yeah, I agree. I, I, if you have, if you're Christopher Nolan, you're, you're buying time at the beginning of this reel to put the tenant trailer on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're, you, you gotta be smart about it. Obviously. Uh, I mean, I say Christopher Nolan, like he's the studio, but the studio, the studio should do that because it, it really, it should be, if it really is your first foray back into movie theaters, a, you probably don't give a shit about COVID, you know, or you care like substantially less than a lot of other people who would just go see no movie at all. Right. And then, uh, the other thing is they're already capturing you as an audience because people are like, what, like, yeah, for, I mean, who knows, like what kind of movies people have been, you know, watching. And then they're like, Oh yeah. Like uh tenant actually has a trailer with, a little bit more of a story and maybe some like characters and actors that I've seen before. So they get, you, you may get new people involved too, which is pretty cool. Well, and, and something like tenant, I could see more people going to like myself, uh, in that parts of the film are filmed in the IMAX camera. And you, you know, with Chris Nolan, what you're going to get, you're going to get 
an extremely large event film uh, that you definitely want to see in theater and not miss it. And uh, something like uh, Unhinged, I you know, I could see it. Maybe potentially it'll be on some screens, but I'm I bet you anything it'll probably still be available for video on demand. Um, yeah. Because I mean, there's some movies like, you know, what was it? The Trolls World Tour, you know, made a lot of money video on demand. So there, there, it's definitely an option that I don't think they would shy away from. I just think it's so funny that like uh, when everybody looks back at this and they want to know, like uh, not just like a schism in the church kind of thing. Like there's a schism in Hollywood, you know, people are like, oh, God, you know, we're going to we're going to only do video on demand or we're only going to show in theaters. It's like, well, we're not going to show your movies in theaters anymore uh, because you showed trolls world tour. People are going to look back at that. Like that was the dividing line, you know, between people being, you know, certain studios being able to show their films in the studio and certain films or studios that can only show their films on video on demand. And, uh, like, doesn't, isn't that just kind of like, it might as well be like land before time 13, you know, like what, it just doesn't carry the weight that like, uh, like a Jurassic world or something like of that magnitude would like, sure. how dare you, you know, release Jurassic world on, on video on demand. And it's like, no, people are going to look back, you know, and, uh, you know, in this specific frame, you know, of the specific point in time it's going to be like hard coded in people's memory that trolls world tour is the thing that fucked up Hollywood. So I think it's just kind of funny like of all the things that could happen. But, uh, but anyway, that's, that's just the way my mind works. Um, yeah. So, uh, other things that have been, you know, potentially talked about that could happen, but probably wouldn't. And now it's looking like it, it might happen again is uh justice league Snyder cut. Yeah. Do you have so, whiplash yet? I swear to God, this thing is. I, it's I stopped like following news. this a long it's, time ago. I know, and I'm the one that keeps on shit posting about it, like on our on our message board. I yeah, just, I can't stop, dude. I can't. I can't stop sending you every single time the status goes like you know zero to one to zero to one. So yeah, it's but yeah. So apparently, you know, uh, so Justice League that was directed by Zack Snyder. Um, apparently, there was a different cut entirely of it and of course Snyder had to depart that project due to the unfortunate um suicide by his daughter and and had a you know obviously in any event you the first thing is first is you want to you know be there for your family and and who cares what's going on in your life everything else is just frivolous outside of that so right. obviously with him departing the project and and not fully completing it but having I think he had had like a, a great portion of the film completed. I think it was about 80% or something like that. Um, you know, they, they brought in a, a different director. It was and, Joss um, Whedon actually, wasn't it? Like, yeah, like, did Joss reshoots? Whedon came in. Yeah, which, you know, if you want anybody to come in, you can feel pretty secure with him. And yeah. uh, But uh, so, you know, they did that. But obviously there was uh, uh, met with mixed, uh, you know, re- really mostly negative uh, reviews and, uh, yeah, I was one of them. I, I finally watched that, I think a few months ago, um, or beginning of this year, justice league. And I was kind of like fast forwarding through parts and I was just, yeah. you know, rolling my eyes and it was just, you know, as, as does, uh, as, as is such movies that are filmed in nothing but green screen rooms, you know, yep. it's just kind of like, and, people and beating up CGI. on a Muppet dude. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Giant, giant Muppet getting his ass kicked. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, of course, there's been a, an outcry from, um, you know, some of the DCEU 
fan base, uh, those that are fans of, of those movies and uh, saying that, you know, they should release the Snyder cut and it's probably infinitely better because Snyder has since made some remarks that, you know, yeah, there were some things missing. And, and so uh, reportedly this has been screened from the, the DC execs. So um, I'm sure Warner brothers execs were in that as well. Um, and so I, I don't know what that means going forward. If that means that now it's going to have some traction to be re-released. Uh, I, I doubt they would put it in a theatrical run, but probably do like a video on demand or re-release it as Blu-ray, you know, that'd probably be the smarter move to go. Right. Um, but yeah, what's your, what's your take on it? I think, uh, the only thing that I'll add to that is from the video on demand perspective is that Warner brothers, um, owners of HBO, right? They've got uh, this uh, new streaming service called HBO Max coming out, which is... Um, oh, yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's like up to their eyeballs and Warner Brothers, you know, material. Yeah, so that, Joker is going to be one of the, the films. Right. They've got they've got a giant library. I mean, this is not, this is not a small studio by any stretch. So... Uh, they, but they obviously, you know, they're in, they're in the massive like space race of trying to get, uh, you know, trying to get the most amount of people watching the freshest amount of content on video on demand, because if you're going to invest all this money in a streaming service and nobody subscribes, uh, Quibi, then you're going to, you're going to have a problem. And, uh, so I think, uh, I think that's probably the best shot this thing has um yeah the thing i'm worried about obviously is uh you're coming you're revisiting a film um several years later right i mean so you're you're coming back and you're you're recutting it the way you thought you should have cut it you know is your brain in the same headspace obviously not um for better or worse like you said uh family comes first you can't screw around with that it's it's it doesn't matter nothing else matters so, um, that move I think is strange in its own right. It's a fun fan service. You know, I want it to happen for the people who have been clamoring for it, but, uh, this, this could very much squarely fall in the category of, uh, wow. Like if only we could have just hyped it up and it'd been this kind of like weird thing that nobody ever saw. And like, after it got screened in the, the room with the executives the executives like pulled out pistols and killed everyone that handled the movie and just walked out um like that that at least would have added to the mystique of it right because that's what's generating all this buzz is that uh you know he'll release uh like a studio release like uh like a, a cut you know of a picture of like dark side or something and it'll be like this like weird art you know it'll be like either concept art or it'll be like crappy uh, CGI, um, you know, that like was unfinished, you know, which I, I'm still trying to figure out what the benefit of that is. Yeah. So uh, just to prove that he was in the movie, you know, I was like, okay, well, I, it's not like I won't give this a shot. I want it to exist uh, for the people who will enjoy it. Right. Um, and I, I'm very careful about how I say that because there, I don't want this to exist for the people who are just going to be clamoring for it and then shit all over it from orbit. Right. Yeah. Um, it just doesn't make any sense. Like uh, you've, you've basically been yelling at the studio to give you this stuff forever just so you can dog on it when it finally comes out, just let, let it go, you know, like watch it, yeah. 
enjoy it for what it is. Um, you know, but everybody's going to put their interns on, you know, the justice league Snyder cut. Was it worth it? You know, weird sizzle piece that they're going to try to put out in like variety and stuff like that. And, uh, who knows what the hell they're going to say. Well, uh, another thing that I did not think of, uh, but should have was that they have, you know, DC released it's, they launched their new streaming service app, uh, earlier this year. That's so right. DC universe, uh, streaming app. Um, you know, one of those new shows that, that started with it was Harley Quinn, which has been a very successful show. Right. Uh, they're already in the season two halfway, I believe into it. And, yeah, they uh, never stopped. I've, yeah, I've really enjoyed the show and it's nothing but quality actors and actresses. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I've been, I've just been like extremely impressed with it. Uh, and then they also have some other, like, uh, DC black label type of, uh, you know, like I think there's a Constantine animated, uh, film that's going to be launching through that service, um, and, and a few other, uh, different characters as well. So this would be a good opportunity for them to release it through that app. And, you know, you might even generate more subscribers to it and, uh, you know, it would totally make sense from that perspective. Uh, and maybe that's why they, they, you know, the news that came out was, you know, this wasn't screening for, strictly Warner brothers execs. These are DC execs. So, uh, maybe that's what's, what's going to be the next move. That's not a bad take. Um, you know, like, uh, I, I think that for anybody who, uh, follows this kind of stuff, uh, like shutter, right. Which was a, I right. believe an AMC, uh, you know, video on demand service. Uh, that's a horror movie, you know, and kind of like, uh, uh, like exploitation, you know, movie service, you know, kind of thing. And it's, yeah, it's unique in its own right because of its own content and the stuff that they're trying to generate and the stuff that they've done. You really have to be like a horror and gore and thriller fan to love that kind of stuff. Well, they got a thing that was like, uh, was like at the drive-in style thing with like Joe Bob Briggs. He came back and he was doing the, um, he was kind of doing the announcements and stuff like that. Right. I mean, am I, yep. am I, am I getting this right so far? It's been a while. Yeah. Um, I was very, very interested in this. And I actually went over to a friend's place to watch it when it first came out. The, uh, every server that they had for shutter crashed. And, uh, and, and it was like, because they did this big countdown thing, you know, and they were like, okay, get ready, you know? And, uh, like the, it was like everywhere from like the hour to the day before subscriptions went insane and they just, they were not ready to handle that. And, and when they, they started it up, everybody was kind of like throwing their hands up. Like, uh, I guess, you know, we're just going to watch the Twitter feed and see if we can get in, you know? And, and like, so we kept just trying again, like, Hey, like we should be good to go on like the East coast, like that kind of thing. We're like, this sucks, you know, cause it's like a live recording. So they did some stuff to cut recover. Uh, but it wasn't obviously the live feature that they were expecting. It got so much viewership and then they went on to do kind of a regular thing with him because it was so successful. Uh, an interesting man in his own right. Uh, Mr. Briggs, but yeah, I heard that, uh, they had brought back monster vision and yeah. I believe it's on shutter. Um, I'm not sure if that started yet or not, but I know that they've recorded quite a bit of, you know, films that they've talked about. Of course, the, actors, actresses, or directors from those films coming and sitting and talking with them. Yeah. I remember watching monster vision quite a bit, you know, when it was on TNT, TNT back in the day, but yeah, 
man, it was just commercials all the time. I know it's, it's brutal. Um, it's, but it's, it's, it survives because of, uh, the kind of movies that were curated for it. And because of his commentary, um, it was campiness to the extreme. And I think it was, it was super fun. You know, it was just an enjoyable experience all the way around. certainly made for adults. Um, so this is not something you gather kids around and watch, but it's, uh, it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, obviously with shutter, that's like, you know, all ratings out the window kind of thing. So you have to be careful about that. Um, but, but it's, it's, uh, I say all that to say that it would make a lot of sense for a smaller streaming service to try to take a big bite out of the giants by bringing that in and seeing, you know, Oh, well, I mean, we got this free trial. Why not just stick with it? I'm kind of bitter because if Warner brothers owns HBO max, which is supposed to be heralded as like the next Disney plus, and then you've got DC extended universe stuff on the, uh, the DC, um, download service. I can't remember the name of that. Um, why not, why not try to link those, together in some kind of package a la Hulu, Disney plus and ESPN, which I'm sure that all of you who have ESPN right now are, are probably banging your heads against the wall, ready for sports to start again, but that's neither here nor there. Um, but I think that they, they should capitalize on owning these multiple properties, just like other, you know, giant studios do. Uh, but I, I agree with you that that's something they should certainly look at if they're going to, reapply it to anything it's put it wherever you want to see that membership grow uh because that's where you're going to get a lot of the people who you know are always like well what the hell what all cart service do i get so um anyway we'll we'll see where that goes i will be sure to uh continue shit posting about the snyder cut on our on our group chat uh but to wrap wrap this up tonight uh we just need to touch on this briefly but um, what is, uh, what is, what is Tom Cruise? What, where, where, where will he be jumping on couches next? Space. Space. Where else can he go? He's yeah. basically going to go the way of Jason Voorhees. He's going to go to space. That's so, right. So, uh, yeah, Tom Cruise is partnered with NASA and SpaceX, uh, yep. Elon Musk program, uh, to shoot aboard the international space station. So, um, I don't know if it's going to be. I've heard different things about what this film could be, but really just kind of where it's going to be shot. I don't think it's going to hundred percent be filmed in space. I think yeah. that's going to be a portion of it, but uh, yeah, it's, I just, I, every time Cruz releases something, whether it's another mission possible where he's swinging off the Burj Khalifa or he's hanging off the side of an airplane, or he's actually skydiving to, you know, all the crazy stunts that he's done over the years. Uh, I just never can wrap my head around the insurance company and the studio that goes along and, and green lights it. You know, I, I understand he's like the, one of the executive producers in a lot of these films and probably fronts money on, on some of these projects. I mean, obviously his baby is the franchise of uh, mission possible. Mission possible and yeah. I know that he's filming uh, the next two sequels back to back. He's only getting older. So it's right. like, it makes sense. You know, yeah. Got it. Got to do it. So I have no idea what this film could be about, but, uh, but it, it's like, well, makes sense. And, and who's going to be the first actor to do it? Tom Cruise. And I Tom think Cruise. a lot of that's kind of, it's kind of an ego thing at this point because yeah. 
what does he have to live for? I mean, I know he's got kids and he's, you know, divorced. With <laughs> that Nicole was, Kidman that and, was a hot take. I like that though. What, what does he yeah. really have to live for? Uh, besides cheating uh, in space? You know, I, I, I don't know what kind of, you know, I'm not trying to talk trash, but you know, everybody knows that he's a, you know, one of the upper echelon Scientologists and yeah, is waiting inter- for interesting his, guy. His lose return. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, a lot of those, uh, Hollywood actors are whack jobs, you know, no matter how you slice it anyways. So, but you gotta, you gotta admit the guy's a damn good actor. So, He's a good uh, actor. I, I'll be there probably, you know, the, the day that this opens either in theaters or, or video on demand, I don't know what's going to happen in the future, but I'll definitely see this when it comes out, whatever it is. Yeah, I uh, I think that's fair. I'm I'm really into the idea of shooting in space. I think that it is going to have to be a very brief clip. Uh, you know, he's it's probably someone on the crew that has to like take the shot, and it's probably him looking out the window of the ISS or something. Because if it's not, uh, it, you can't do a disaster movie in space about space you know you can't like set off pyrotechnics inside of you know the international no, but they space can do, station they could do some pretty convincing cgi so you yeah know. i mean it, they would have to that's my thing it's like they yeah. it's it, they'd have to do a lot of it in post they'd have to uh it, it's really cool you know that he, i mean maybe he does a spacewalk or something you know i mean that's they've done uh articles on how hard tom cruise trains for every role he's in, uh, talk about an intense actor. He, uh, there was an article recently, I think it was on movie web. They were talking about, um, the, uh, next top gun that he was going to do and how basically he was the one that was whipping everybody's younger asses into shape, you know, to handle the, the, the extreme G's of these FA 18s. They're going to be flying. And, uh, that that alone is impressive, but you know you go back and and you look at some of the articles about the first Top Gun, and he was the only one that they were able to get real shots of because he was the only one that was capable of you know holding his luncheon while they were doing some extreme maneuvers. So, um, you know the way they're able to get these shots is in no small part because of him. If he's the kind of guy that that brings everybody up to his level it's not shocking to me that people will insure him, you know, I mean, knowing, knowing what he's capable of and understanding that, yeah, the movie's probably going to gross plenty to, to pay that back, you know, in, in yeah. dividends. So, um, you know, it's a kind of the morbid calculus of insuring someone, but, uh, you know, even if he didn't make it, you know, the entire movie, uh, millions of people will go watch that movie. So it's, it's just kind of the way these things work, I guess. But, uh, yeah, I mean, who the hell doesn't want to see that, you know, love, love that idea. So go. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, somebody is always the the first to do it. And then from that point forward, then it becomes, you know, somebody else comes along and perfects it even better. And, you know, you look at, uh, you know, kind of like underwater films, um, you know, thinking back to some of the first ones that were actually recorded underwater, and probably were recorded in a pool with model sets, you know, to eventually being recorded into a gigantic pool that maybe was used by NASA, like in uh, the abyss was an or example, you know, was like the right stuff uh, or something like that. Right. Like they, yeah, they yeah, kind yeah. of doing the same thing. I know what you're talking about, like you're talking about more fantastical stuff that was like using that, that apparatus. Well, 
just going into a different atmosphere or right. a different environment. So underwater is one environment and, um, you know, same thing with, uh, you know, looking at the history of film and cinema. I mean, we're just talking back in like the 1920s and 1930s when things really started getting syndicated. And you think about it, that was only a hundred years ago. Right. Uh, so just looking at the history of cinema, like so much has happened where everybody's always tried to push the boundaries of, you know, first it started off on a set and then the set looked like a, you know, a cemetery or, or whatever it might've been. And then eventually it went out into the real world. Now we're into the jungles and next thing you know, they're filming predator and, you know, uh, or there, there's people jumping off actual buildings like in right. Die Hard. you know, so it's just, there's so many things that have pushed the boundaries that, you know, with him doing this who knows where the technology could be 20, 30 years from now. So it's, uh, yeah, it's real exciting to, you know, uh, somebody had to do it. So it might as well have been him. Right. I think yeah, everybody very, kind of is like, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It, that checks out. Very few industries can afford to do this kind of thing too. You know, it's, yeah. it's like, you know, you're, you're, uh, like Barnes and Noble isn't going to send anybody up into space to read a book. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, right. it's incredible. But uh, I, I mean, I say that very tongue in cheek, obviously reading is amazing, but um, you know, it, the idea though, that, you know, a company can even afford to put someone in space just for a shot, you know, or 10 or however many they get. But, uh, but yeah, that's, that's just mind boggling to me, but I mean, they're not going to do it unless they think they can make the money back or at least they can make the kind of impression that they are such a big studio and they're such hot shit, you know, that, that it, it, it gives dividend, it pays off in dividends moving forward. That's really, I mean, that's the only way you can make a business proposition like this. So yeah, of course he's going to go into space. Why the hell not? (laughs) Yeah. Well, this was definitely a fun episode. We had a lot to kind of unravel and, and digest because it's been so long. And I know. Uh, hopefully it's not going to be a long time again, but we will do our best. We will hopefully be back sooner than later uh, with some more news and things to discuss. Uh, there's always active things going on in the entertainment world, and it's always fun talking about it. Feel free to check us out on Instagram and on Twitter at Sensibly Loud or on Facebook at Sensibly Loud Media. Stay tuned for our next episode of Sensibly Loud Radio.